And so, as always, before we begin to submerge into our unsearchable inheritance in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, and nothing will stand in the way for God to fulfill about his son, everything that is written about him in the law of Moses, prophets, and psalms, and also us, because he can't fulfill this without us, because he is the head of the church. He will fulfill it for him together with us. And when I say nothing will stand in his way, not the devil can stand in the way or the world, but there is someone who can stand in the way, and that is the person who is called to be the body of Christ. But as these people who belong to the category of the chosen remnant, they cannot be in the way. It's the opposite. They will be a part of fulfilling it and not a single category of carnal men, and there are many, many of them, they very, uh, they praise God very well, and there's literally a supernatural atmosphere in the church. People are uh, crying and uh, sense the supernatural effect, thinking it's God's power that's doing this. God's power will not uh, function or be in a place <clears throat> that is not the root and offspring of David. When a person comes out and speaks one sermon, the next day a very different one, and the next day a very opposite of what he was saying, uh, these are all branches, but where's the root? Where's the where's the stump and so however correct a sermon may be it's a branch it needs to be presented upon the tree with the root which is why the Holy Spirit showed me the importance the root is not always interest interesting the mind is very uh, very curious and they they teach in uh, these lessons of theology uh, introduce uh, yourself and immediately go to the next thought. Uh, they don't want to spend the time uh, on the foundation, the root. But when you preach, you need to start with the root and then you will approach the branches that grow from this root, from this tree. This is very important, which is why every time I begin to talk about the word, talk, speak about the word. I start with the root. I want us to see where this branch, is, uh, branch came from that will be new. It is on the tree, and we see that it has a root. Just as Jesus said about him, I am the root and offspring of David. And so offspring is the tree. I am the root and what comes from the root. And if they offer you something without the root, anything without a root, however beautiful it is, however uh, it makes people cry, 
Unfortunately, all of this will uh, be destroyed. It will go to hell. It will not enter heaven without a root. Nothing will be able to enter without a root. When you have a root, that means that you have died for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your destructive desires. And what is the greatest wealth for you is your soul you pay you pay with the price of your life you lose it to reobtain it you don't go to take over the world when you will do this you will become a light you will not need to run anywhere I understand that today humanity is just uh, uh, has become absolutely obsessed with uh, evangelism. They can't see themselves out of evangelism, not understanding that evangelism as being a light to the world. How is it not being a light, not having lost your nation, the house of your father, your destructive desires, uh, being clothed in fig leaves, you run and go preach to someone else. As soon as God will come close to these people, they will feel their nakedness and hide. Even now, when... Uh, suddenly there is a truth that reveals a person he hides what behind his works his deeds that he himself did they uh, prepared their clothing with fig leaves Adam and Eve their own personal virtue their own personal evangelism everything that comes from their flesh and so we as partakers of the body of Christ to share together with Christ all the things that are written about him in scripture we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. This is where our calling lies. This is where our calling is. We sing uh, the song, what use is it when you obtain the whole world? And so they think as uh, you conquer the world as a king would conquer the world. That doesn't mean that in scripture. Uh, it means with evangelism, if you even take over the world, with your evangelism but lose your soul what good is there if you gain the whole world but lose your soul what will you gain from that what will you benefit how will you benefit you will not if you harm your soul you won't receive anything and the reward will not be for the souls we've brought but the changed character that makes us partakers of Christ that is what the reward will be for that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created in, accordan in accordance to God and to righteousness and holiness Ephesians 4, 22-24 and we know to fulfill this commanding order we have been studying three vital charging and fundamental acts which have become our uh, study, the, the elements of our study to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come 
to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the Book of Life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of closing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the condition that we need to fulfill so that we, by the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, to destroy the stronghold of death in our body in the form of reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise, and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body, and stop to study the next condition, this condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the right that he alone has, reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High. And so the uh, prayer of faith is based on information that we receive uh, from the stage to work with this information, collaborate with it by the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man with his deeds, we can call upon the Most High as to our God, because this is the most difficult moment. This is the most difficult moment in the Christian life. There's nothing more difficult uh, that a Christian will uh, come against. There's nothing uh, more powerful emotionally and suffering uh, but then casting off this old man with his deeds, he will experience all of hellfire. He didn't, he won't, he has never even realized he has, because people that are carnal don't uh, even think that there could be something inside of them negative. They say, in us, we have Jesus. You can, of course, uh, ask questions. Some people, you can ask individuals. And so I ask them, where are your sins? They say, in, upon Jesus. And so I say, Jesus is living in you with sin, with your sins. And they're as if you put them into a fifth corner. This was... Uh, and so this is uh, pretty much put him in a position where he needs to think. And so Jesus is in him, and they say the sins are on Jesus. And so is Jesus together with your sins inside of you? They can't respond because they're not taught correctly. Jesus can't be inside of you with sins. He is living in you, only resurrected. He can't dead living in you. He already resurrected. And when we received Christ, we receive him resurrected, the resurrected Christ. And resurrection is a result of death. You know, some preachers say, I hear... This is in large uh, congreg congregations. Uh, if you don't preach Christ who was crucified, then, this, then don't accept uh, such preachers. We need Christ to be preached crucified. And they always preach about his crucifixion. Look at upon Golgotha. He's crucified and everyone's crying. But the resurrection is evidence that Christ was crucified. Uh, Apostle Paul was 
uh, being persecuted because of the resurrection. He preached about the resurrection. In the resurrection, uh, he spoke of this. This is very important. And so this condition, we began to study that we can call upon the Most High as to our God and in the time of our hardship, we confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. Brother, are you righteous? No. I am still sinning. Are you holy? Well, I'm not a lost uh, Orthodox uh, believer. And so, a living person in their understanding can't be holy. Only when a person passes away and if his body, within a specific span of time, does not decay, but, uh, as it were, compresses, then they consider this man holy, the title holy, or uh, a saint. And so you can then pray to him. And that's why they kiss these bodies, they pray to them, but during their lifetime they can never be holy. And as I had once told you, I was during one of these uh, brotherly uh, council uh, groups and one young man had asked a question because before this I was talking to this man and suddenly he realized this truth I began to talk to him about him being holy and you're righteous because you're born that way you don't become holy and righteous you don't become holy by by uh, specific good works you're born righteous and you're born holy because God as a father could not bear us not holy being himself holy he can't bear us unrighteous being himself righteous and so we've received this by by the fact of our birth from him and when he understood that he said well our brotherly uh, uh, group our brothers don't understand this way what a truth that I understood. Brother Kai, come on, let's go tell them. And so I came, and he was so happy, and he was telling the brothers this, you're holy, and they suddenly uh, looked at him uh, with great surprise. You're righteous, one of them says, in order to be righteous and holy and call yourself so, you know what kind of arrogance you need to have in yourself in order to call yourself that. Of course, we don't deny these things, we want to be, but none of us here can say that we're righteous or holy. We still sin, we still are not perfect, but we want to be. He was looking at me, and I was not looking at them at all. I just, because I understood that this group of gentlemen, uh, they're not able to accept these things. They, they, they won't accept them. And so he asked me, why didn't you say anything? And I told him, God did not call me to talk to them. Uh, they would not have received uh, this information and it would have been rebellion on my side I would have uh, I can only speak when I have the right to and when I'm asked 
And so that's very important to understand who God is to us in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, who we are to him. We are God's relatives. We are related to him. We are his children. You'll say, but we sin. Yes, you sin uh, because of the old person in your body, but your spirit is not sinning in the moment. If the spirit sins once, even you can't restore it. If a person with his spirit, one that is born from God, your spirit, if he sins, you'll become a Satan. There will not be forgiveness. We have forgiveness because we sin not from the spirit but from the soul. Why was Adam given forgiveness? Because he was a person that was carnal. He was not a person that was spiritual and he became a living being. If he would have eaten of the tree of life, he would have become a spiritual man. And being a person that was a spiritual man, he would have taken uh, then of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would not have been forgiven. He would have perished together with Satan. He would have been Satan in the flesh. Then. We need to understand that also, that why do the scriptures say the righteous will fall seven times and rise again? And when it says seven, it doesn't mean an actual number seven. Seven is a, a number of wholeness or fullness. You will fall until you grow up. You, growing up, you will fall less and less. The things that you used to stumble upon, things you were afraid at, of, you will look at calmly and stand upon those things instead and not stumble. The things you used to run away from, now you will stand on them. When Christ says, I give you power to stand upon all the uh, power of the enemy, we can stand upon it when we become warriors in prayer. Warriors in prayer is not something you're born. A warrior in prayer is someone you become. This is not something you're born in. By being, by being taught, by learning, by a strong battle, a person becomes a warrior in prayer, and then a person using this warrior in prayer can do his work, his will upon planet Earth. The warrior in prayer can resound these things. They, they could speak them. We note that this metaphor is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David with the name of God Most High and the confrontation of our, uh, with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and reigning in our body sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. I will remind us that there are three kings in the body. No one will not want, want to acknowledge that Saul and David and Agag, the king of the Amalekites, live in one body. And God has anointed two kings over this body. And Saul was anointed and David was anointed while Saul was still alive. Why? Did God not wait? Why could God not have uh, brought a, uh, some kind of plague or something terrible against Saul so he die first? Why did David need to flee? Why was this the most terrible thing for David in this time? Because the anointed by God king, the anointed that were with him, is terrible uh, to be in this situation, but a person can't understand that until he receives it by faith, the truth, this truth, and begins to grow in that. As soon as you receive it, there's still nothing difficult going on in your life, but when you begin to grow in that truth, and when a warrior in prayer begins to show himself in you, then 
Saul will also reveal himself, and that is where the true battle will start. It is by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ and what God has done in Jesus Christ and who we are to Him, God receives the required basis or proper grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the reigning in our body sin, which is the old person by the power of the redemption of God and forever cast him out into hell with noise. And so before old person is cast out of us into hell, hell with noise, he will be bound for a specific amount of time by the power of God, by the faith, using the faith of our heart and the confessions of our mouth. We will uh, not uh, be uh, speaking to demons, but our old person who uh, uh, pretty much inspires our, our, our corrupt the corrupt desires within us. You need to bind him in yourself and then it will start to, uh, God's work will begin to happen in you. You'll see that these uh, lusts or these desires will not have that effect on you as they used to. Christ said, I give you power. What you will bind on in heaven or on earth will be already bound in heaven. It was talking about an old person. In his time, if God bound Satan, then Satan, he could not function on the earth. For a thousand years, Christ will rule and the devil will not be able to do anything. Why? Because he's bound. He is. He exists. But he will not be able to do anything. He will not be able to have any effect on men. Uh, uh, the old person also, he, when you bind him, he will not be able to affect you. As when they uh, remove a minister from his service and puts another one, then those that were removed cannot make uh, decisions or in any way affect uh, decision making in any way or any of the decisions as Putin did. He had sent all of the uh, administrators, uh, he had removed them and put new people, and those who have been removed no longer can, uh, no longer can uh, have a say in what happens or the decisions that are made. It's the same thing in us when we uh, bind in ourselves the old person by the power of God, by the using the truth, Christ says, get to know the truth and it will set you free, uh, set you free from the old person. He's, he, they were telling him, we're not slaves, and he says, anyone is a, a, a slave of sin, and so you need to get to know the truth and it will set you free. Know the truth and it will set you free. The truth frees you from sin. And when we will be freed from sin, we will not need to uh, talk about the double much. We will need to talk much about how to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, how to hold this promise, how to water it, how to grow it, how to keep it, how to carry it as an infant in your, in your arms, as a royal infant and how you feed him, how to care for him, because that's what God is looking at. That is what our calling is, to save ourselves. You'll say, but we're saved. We are saved conditionally as a guarantee, but to have this as a reality for yourself, you need to grow within your heart the fruit of righteousness. 
In character, the prayer psalm of David, as we've concluded, contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. And it is only for kings, priests, and prophets. The first part identifies the condition of or state of David's heart. As a warrior in prayer, the condition of his heart was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer. That is only for kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies and all of our enemies as well. The third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the simple human mind. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God Most High. Why did David list only eight names? He wanted to show that what God is doing, he's doing within the boundaries of his covenant and according to his covenant. The number eight is always a number of the covenant. 880, 800, 8,000, 80,000, 800,000. These numbers, when you see these in the scriptures, all of these uh, pertain to the number of the covenant. He's talking about the covenant and that in the boundaries of this covenant, he's doing something. When you make a covenant of blood, peace, and salt with God, God begins to work within these boundaries of these covenants. And we need to understand our role so that we can collaborate with God so that he can fulfill this covenant for us to give God proper grounds to fulfill it for us, what he's put into that covenant. And in that covenant, God has put eight names, although there are 50 as a total, but these eight names are existing in all of these all of his other names and identify themselves in all of God's names, he listed eight to show the covenant. When you need to show holiness, 144,000, God lists... Uh, uh, 100,000 or uh, 100,000, 100, 10 is a holiness. If he lists 10, we'd be looking at holiness. Here we're looking at the covenant between us and God. He has his role, we have our role. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and allowed us also to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from our enemies. And when we say to love the Lord, this doesn't mean our emotions that love God, but our mind and our will, and it leads our emotions. People don't have an understanding how to love. Their love, why do they often cry? Because their love is all in emotion. God is not against tears. But when you lead your emotions, it is not yet taught. There won't be tears because there will be resistance. You won't feel anything good. You will understand it. You will agree but your feelings will say the opposite. I feel God has abandoned me. I feel something is wrong. Inside, something's wrong. And 
when I speak with these people, where's faith? Is it where you feel that there's something wrong or is it information? Faith is from hearing the word of God. Uh, stand upon those grounds. Otherwise, you'll then have to go to psychologists and they uh, write, uh, write you then antidepressants is what often happens. And and it, these people eventually uh, become a vegetable uh, taking these antidepressants. Remember that that's what happens with these pills. Many young people put these antidepressants into their, uh, they sneak them uh, for the parents. And the parents become a lighter and not so demanding. People do those kinds of things also. And this is also sin to these children that put antidepressants in their parents' food and other things. We need to tell them the truth and be free from this depression. Previ uh, before, there there were no, uh, there was not no such word as depression. There were wars, and there was no depression. But here, with this kind of life, people have depression, and such depression that almost everyone's in depression. And so getting, for David, getting to know these eight names of God allowed him to love the Lord and to lead his emotions so that the emotion also falls in love because when a horse is well-disciplined, well-trained, uh, uh, the horse is then obedient and uh, with, the, with the owner, with the rider. As for God discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names, in the heart of David, provided God the proper grounds that he needed uh, to use his abilities in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David. Let us read this place. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the power of three names of God, the names of <clears throat> the names of God's strength, rock, and the name of God fortress, and stop to study our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the name of God deliver. We will remember that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God most high is the strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle for a warrior <clears throat> for a warrior in prayer, a strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king, of a priest, and of a prophet. A mantle is uh, a garment for a king, a priest, and a prophet uh, because they always were dressed in specific garments. They did not uh, dress as all other men did. The kings, priests, and prophets, they had a, un a unique garment or clothing that they would wear. And so the calling of this man uh, and mantle of king, priest, and prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling, 
by receiving the truth, and this calling is demonstrated or identifies <clears throat> our earthly body in the status of a king, a priest, and a prophet, so we can change it into a heavenly body. The revelation, then, that is purpose for worshiping God or given for worshiping God will not then benefit him if he is not anointed to rule as a king and be a priest and a prophet. God can anoint a person. Uh, we even know that there were seven-year-olds that were anointed to the kingdom. God sees this, that inside of you and can anoint you. But this anointing will begin to work later. God anointed David, but he did not become a king immediately. He was a king in himself. Many people acknowledged it. He, he was able to do many things with the anointing, but Saul was, was still on the throne. And when Saul even passed away and... David sat upon this throne, then part of the nation of Israel would still, was still supporting Saul. And there was a continuous, a continuous battle between the house of Saul and the house of David. The house of David became stronger, and the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. And so the war that is between the new person and our soul as the anointed uh, mind <coughs> will be long and difficult. Therefore, the quality in Lexus in identifying the name of God deliver as with the previous names of God is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. Deliver in Hebrew is the leader or chief of the covenant, redeemer from the slavery of sin and death, the savior of the body, one who protects from the wrath of God, one that reinstates your rights to the inheritance, one that places us into safety as his holy possession, preserving our guarantee until the coming of Christ. And so there's a guarantee, and I will keep it, he says, until the coming of Christ. Because you have invested that guarantee, and he says, I will keep it until the appearance of Christ or coming of Christ. When will this coming of Christ happen? It will be inside of us when we accept Christ into our heart in the form of the Holy Spirit as a Lord and Master of our life. If we can't do this, then when Christ will come, the appearance of Christ will not be able to receive him. You need to receive him previously before he comes here. You receive you. God is able to keep the guarantee. Where does he keep it? He doesn't keep it in us. We uh, invest it. We lose it in the death of the Lord Jesus. The Lord is able to preserve our guarantee in Jesus Christ. We lose our guarantee. We put it in, uh, into Jesus Christ so we can receive it in the resurrection in a new form for ourselves. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every aspect of our life the role of God and the role of man. And for this purpose, as we studied our lot in the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation, we have the necessity to study a series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God deliver? What role does our inherited lot in the name of God deliver play in achieving our salvation? 
What price do we need to pay in order to provide God the proper grounds he needs to be our deliverer? And by what results do we examine ourselves that God truly is our deliverer when it comes to accomplishing our calling? Not having clear and comprehensive answers to these questions that we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith within the strict order in which the body of Christ functions, we will not have the ability to invest our silver in the form of our guarantee of salvation. This, and we will not be able to place ourselves into the death of Christ, die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires of the soul, if we will not be instructed how to do that. And this means that without strictly obeying the preached word of the person that possesses the authority of a Father from God and his helpers, we will not have the ability to receive profit in the form of the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have invested. And so an evangelist, as it were, he does not have seed. He just waters. You'll say, but people come to Christ, but this is not from his seed. He takes from a person who has the seed and goes and preaches. And he takes and preaches only within that role as an evangelist. And he loves to call, him, to call himself an evangelist. And then people say there's a pastor evangelist. So how can a pastor call? How, then you become simultaneously then a person that possesses the seed. But as we can see, many evangelists, evangelists do not have this seed, and they continue to draw the entire church into evangelism. A person is an evangelist when he comes, he repents, and he's a light for those around him, for his neighbors, for your colleagues at work, you're already a light. You need to be different. They need to see, why is this person different from others? Why do they not do as everyone else? Why do they not react like everyone else? People will see that. And that's very important. Apostle Paul wrote, For all of the promises of God in Him are yes, in Him that is in Jesus are yes, and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God that we are able to receive, we can receive them by the people that possess the authority of a father from God. In a specific format, we've already looked at the essence of the first three questions and stopped to study question four. By what results do we examine ourselves that God truly is our deliverer when it comes to accomplishing our calling? And we have already studied the particulars of sign four and we'll study, or today we'll study sign five, by which we need to determine that God is our deliverer and this is that we will not lack in any good thing. Because we will be delivered from a lack of any good thing, which is the lot of every person that has received the seed of salvation in the format of a guarantee, if one who has not invested it so that it would be grown into the fruit of righteousness and would become his own, O taste and see that the Lord is good, O taste, get to know God, to, to taste is to, to eat and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. A person can trust in the Lord when he 
tastes how good the Lord is. Until he tastes, he will not be able to trust. He wants to, but it will not work. When uh, trouble comes, you can see immediately who he trusts in or where he runs. He doesn't run to God. He immediately runs to, to the courts and uh, files a complaint against someone who's, a, who's doing something. And so, say amongst us, there's some kind of disagreement. When it's a person from the world, of course, it's a different situation. You can go to court. But uh, this is a person of the world. But when it's within the church, when a person is a brother who is in conflict with you, do not go to court. I had many opportunities to go to the courts and they would have been on my side. And one of the so-called pastors had said, I know that you will never go to court because I know you, which is why I could do whatever I want. But you won't go to court and you will not file a complaint against me. And I told him, you're true. You say the truth, I will never go because between you and me, there's God. David said to Saul, God will judge between you and me. It's the same thing here. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack in any good thing. Psalm 34, 8 through 10. Let us immediately note here, not having a lack in any good thing, it's not talking about materialistic goods. Uh, these are not called uh, good things. More often in the Bible, uh, materialistic things are thorns and bristles. But this is talking about imperishable wealth. And so those who seek the Lord shall not lack in any good thing. They will not lack in any promise. They will be revealed to him. Don't uh, conclude that this is all materialistic. As soon as you conclude that this is all materialistic and see in this place of Scripture as one uh, individual came and said, here are 70 places of Scripture that uh, show that we need to meditate about uh, materialistic goods and materialistic blessings. And I told him, you can meditate about this. Where will you end up? When, if you're meditating only about the things of the world, car uh, <coughs> a carnal mind is uh, death. And so meditating about things of the world, materialistic prosperity, and so if you look at these mega services, <coughs> they're mega services. These are these people are almost billionaires. They have airplanes. They have uh, servants that serve them. One uh, servant oh, cleans in the house. The other uh, be, uh, takes care of the children. The other take, uh, takes care of his clothing. The other one, as soon as he gets out of his car, cleans and washes his car. People have a lot of wealth. They don't go on television just because. They have an entire... Uh, and and they uh, when they come out uh, to the screen, they put makeup on him just so he looks better, and they always watch after him that there's nothing, uh, nothing out of place. And so you see what we're talking about here. 
And so those who seek the Lord will not lack in any good thing. The good thing of imperishable promises and blessings. According to the given definition, we will not lack in any good thing upon the condition that we will seek the Lord. We uh, will fear the Lord. According to that given definition, to seek God, we need a specific and clear motivation in the format of a specific reward that would be able to prompt or encourage us to use the given to us by God time and the given to us by God means including materialistic means, not to uh, collect more materialistic goods, but to uh, invest them and all of the energy that we have. And such a reward that is able to encourage us to seek God, where we will use all of our energy and all of the means that we have and materialistic and will, will uh, connected is all the good that comes from God and such a reward that is able to encourage us to see God as all good that comes from God. Therefore, if we will not be enlightened in all the good, which is a reward for those who seek the Lord, as well as enlightened in the way we need to seek the Lord, God will not be able to receive the proper grounds that he needs to become our deliverer. Therefore, to examine yourself as to whether you do or do not give God the proper grounds that he needs to be our deliverer, uh, we need to answer two questions. What is a reward in the Bible in the form of all good for those that seek the Lord? And in what way do we seek the Lord? in order to provide God the proper grounds he needs to be our deliverer from all need. We will keep in mind that a reward in the form of all good are goods, God's good and kind intentions, the ones that he has for us, in order to give us a future and hope. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and hope. Materialistic goods do not give you a future. There is no future. In that. A virus comes and your millions are useless. Why today there's such a panic in the world? 300 people uh, had died from a virus and there had not been a vaccine uh, created for it and they and so all of uh, China was in, in, in this little um, uh, face mask so that they... And so I asked, why is it that they're doing... Why are they wearing these? When we were traveling, I saw this. And so they don't want to inf infect others. And they truly are afraid. They're afraid to maybe be infected by someone else. They don't know who is who. Maybe you have this virus. And there's no vaccine for it. And so to protect themselves, there's some leaders that are uh, working very actively to create a vaccine for the virus. And so those who seek the Lord, they are free from this. They will have this good. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. In Hebrew, the word good or good thing is the gift of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the righteousness of God, the truth of God. The good thing or good, the good of God is the life of God, the mercy of God, God's generosity, 
God's perfection, justification given by God, the good that he will give us is his justification that is given to us according to his grace. God's well-being that comes from God, possession that are given by God, imperishable possessions, and being a part of God's divine nature. This is what good is. Such good is a conditional reward that is given to those who seek God and those who fear God, which is practically the same thing. And so the good in the situation is such a nature of goodness in the life of a person that comes from God in the form of a reward that is grown by a person from the seed of righteousness into the fruit of righteousness. This good will be given uh, in all of us uh, individually. He'll give it to us in the form of a seed. <clears throat> we will grow the seed by planting it and what we will grow and the fruit that we will bear, that will be the, the reward. The fruit of the seed will be a reward for us. We will receive it again in the fruit of righteousness, or it will be allowed by God something for the growth of, of the fruit of righteousness, a difficult situation in life may be allowed so that we can grow this fruit of righteousness that is called to lead us into the aspect of the precious promises of God in order to make us a part of God's divine nature. And so the nature of such good is given to a holy person upon specific conditions in the format of the law of grace, which is called to be grown in all three aspects of a person by righteousness in the life, eternal life of Jesus Christ. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21 Vengeance for sin is death. So that as, reign, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. And so righteousness uh, brings life with it. Vengeance for sin is death. And it's a reward for righteousness is life. And so when it's talking about a gift of God, we're talking about the fruit of righteousness, and I need to grow it inside of me if I don't grow it, because people are preached this, uh, are told these things in their, in their sermons. Now we're given God's uh, gift by grace in Jesus Christ, but how is it given? They don't, people are not explained how they receive it, and so they, as a... Uh, a mantra, they begin to repeat it, it's not going to work that way. What happens? It'll be as a drug. When you receive it, it makes you uh, hazy and you feel good. But it's the same thing with them. They they say the things that are in the scripture, it, it's not working, but they feel good. They're happy and joyous, and they're not afraid of anything, and then they don't need anything because they're already in bliss. But here... It's completely talking about different, something different. It's given to us in the format of a seed. We grow it into fruit, and that is our reward, the fruit of the womb. And so I say again, for grace to reign within a person by the righteousness uh, to eternal life, it is necessary to grow the seed of righteousness into the fruit of righteousness. If a person fulfilled the condition uh, where he grew in the soil of his heart, the seed of justification into the fruits of righteousness, then this is testimony of the fact that the Lord is his deliverer. If we can have this fruit, then God is our deliverer. Sixth result by which we 
can determine that God is truly our deliverer is by the fact that God has delivered us from all of our trouble and our eyes has seen its desire upon our enemies. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. One of the rewards is the name of the Lord himself. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. Psalm 54, 1 through 7. In order to understand the enemies that seek David and why uh, David uh, sees them as strangers, to the chief musician with stringed instruments when the Ziphites came the Ziphites are the descendants that came from the line of Judah and they lived within the territory of Judah and that is where David was hiding and so they came and told Saul with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David, when the Ziphites went and said to Saul, Is David not hiding with us? Psalm 54, 1. And so we see here uh, the symbol of David as our intelligent abilities of our new person, and the symbol also of Saul here, the intelligent abilities of our soul, which is within the process of being rejected uh, as our soul is being rejected. And so from here we can see that the foreign or strangers as enemies that uh, David had talked about uh, when the nation rejected Samuel so that he not be their king, he together uh, the nation then uh, together with Samuel, rejected uh, God also in this situation because they did not want to acknowledge Samuel as their king. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But they think displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all the all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice, however you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. First Samuel 8, 4 through 9. Although God, by Samuel, anointed Saul, as king over Israel, the character of this anointing contained in itself the wrath of God. And, uh, <clears throat> and and had danger in, as we know, in the situation where he warned them. So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road I will lurk. I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cub. I will tear open their ribcage, and there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. When it's talking about the inner cage, inside they will have disorder and discomfort. 
The wild beasts shall tear them in their heart. Oh, Israel, you are destroyed. And so when it's talking about wild beasts, it's talking about demons. Oh, Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities and your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princes? I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Hosea 13, 7 through 11. Saul in the beginning was not a warrior in prayer, although he was anointed as king. At the same time, David, whom Saul pursued because of jealousy, unlike Saul, David was a warrior in prayer and only after that was anointed by Samuel instead of Saul to be king over Israel. And so through David wanted to restore his kingdom over Israel, but uh, using Saul, he could never have restored his kingdom. Saul ruled, but he did not give God the ability. When God told him to do something, he always added his own. Well, I thought this should be better. You see how people, carnal people, they, they ruled. They will never fulfill the word of God. They'll say, well, I don't, I don't, my opinion is different. I don't agree with that. And so let us look at where David was hiding. Ziph is a city located on the southern part of the tribe of Judah, 23 kilometers south of Hebron and 30 kilometers southeast of Beersheba. Uh, the city of Ziph were one of the places where uh, one of the first places David was hiding and this prayer that he had made were from the wilderness in the wilderness of Ziph. The place of the city of Ziph was again one of the first places where David hid and he was there for a long period of time. And so the rocky places of Ziph together with the caves and uh, and the forests that were there were a pretty good place for hiding. Considering that David was of the line of Judah, he trusted that the people of Ziph would not have would not tell Saul, and that uh, David thought that they would stand on uh, on his side, that would support him because he was hiding in their lands. But he. Uh, he was wrong, and the people of Ziv did go and tell Saul where he was. When David says in his prayer that God had delivered him from all of his troubles, then he includes Saul and his army, also his soldiers. In Hebrew, the word troubles, the first meaning is arrival. And only after that, troubles are calamities, oppression, suffering, grief, cramming, and sorrow. And so the first is arrival. We know that arrival is that person that legally is trying to claim an inheritance that belongs to us according to promise of the deceased testator. He knows that he is a legit king and he is wanting what? He wants the kingdom over our body. Saul and David are individuals in our body and both want the same thing. God has promised this to a king, to the one and the other, because he is a king, he rules and he wants control. Here is what the scriptures say about this, who a rival is or who uh, testator is and how we can inherit. 
Here it's talking about Christ, and for this reason, he is the mediator, Christ, for the new covenant, by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there may also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Hebrew 9, 15 through 17. And so when our parents die, only then do our characteristics uh, go to us. Until they're with us, we don't. Although there are some similarities, not from our... <coughs> uh, it's, it's typically... Uh, not uh, coming through until later. I've, I've paid attention to people in the church when their parents pass away, they change. Some become better, some become worse. <clears throat> if their parents were in some way troubled or possessed in some way, those who were not uh, delivered in Jesus Christ and separated from the house of their father, they immediately fall into this trap <clears throat> And what their parent had, they received uh, after them. <clears throat> and so belonging to the tribe of Judah is where a person, a good person into the soil of his heart, receives the seed of promise. And so a person receives this uh, into his heart, which is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in his body to make him a carrier of the heavenly body. And so the rocky places and the caves where David hid from Saul and his armies is a symbol of promise that belongs to the door of our hope that was within our heart that we are able to inherit in Jesus Christ by the death, his death and his resurrection, to understand that when we receive this promise, the promise itself becomes for us a fortress, a place where we can hide. Yes, the mind can uh, rebel, the soul can rebel, but you have received the promise that talks about the fact that God has adopted your body. He, he will not adopt it, he already has, because Jesus already died and resurrected. He already adopted your body, and then you receive it by faith and begin to proclaim that not existent as existent. And this is the cave, and in this cave, Saul can't get you. You are within your lot in the tribe of Judah, in the lands of the tribe of Judah, the caves where he was hiding. This is a symbol of God's promises where we need to hide <clears throat> until an absolute destruction of our enemies happen and we in our body remain alone. When Agag will be destroyed, whom Saul had spared, saying he's our brother, and when Saul will also uh, die, falling upon his own sword. The stranger uh, that was walking by, he asked him, kill me, and they killed him and brought, uh, Saul, uh, brought Saul's head to David, and he thought that they thought that David was going to uh, compliment them, but they uh, were punished for what they did. And he took the body of Saul, he, he cried, and he buried him.
with great dignity. <coughs> in order to receive Saul in a new form, and you know what, what form you'll receive him in the, in the form of Mephisfe, which was the son of Jonathan, when he was... <coughs> And so when he, he always sat at the royal uh, table with, with David, and David did good for him. This is a symbol because nothing can access our spirit without our mind. Everything that we hear now, all of this is formed in our mind and then goes into our spirit. Our spirit is very valuable for God. That's why it's anointed, but it needs to be... And our soul is very valuable, but it needs to be lost to be reobtained so that it not take the throne. And Mephisfei, he was not uh, trying to take the throne. He was uh, very thankful and grateful to David. Our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind will revere uh, before the revelations of our heart. And so this work that we're talking about here, that we're hiding in these promises, we've received them, gives us the ability to receive into the good soil of our heart that is cleansed from dead works the seed of the elementary teaching of Christ. Only then are we able to receive the elementary teaching of Christ when our mind will be renewed by the spirit of our mind, but while it's not renewed, it will resist. It will not allow through itself. It will claim everything for itself, all the goods of God, <coughs> and not allow them into the spirit. The seed of the elementary teaching of Christ gives the Holy Spirit the ability to enter into our heart in the form of the Lord and Master of our life. The Holy Spirit will never enter into a heart where the elementary teaching of Christ does not exist. He will not have anything to do there. He will never knock into such a heart. And so you can draw it upon a picture and say, see, he's knocking upon your heart thinking not mine, but someone else's. He already lives in me with the sins that I have. He's in, uh, my sins are on him. And that's how, they, that's how people uh, perceive all these things and try to illustrate it, even though it's incorrect. They don't understand that he's not... He's knocking only to his bride, to the chosen by God remnant. He's not knocking to all in general, all the called, but the chosen from the multitude of the called. Entering into our heart as the Lord and Master of our life, the Holy Spirit receives the legitimate uh, foundation to reveal in our heart the seed of the elementary teaching of Christ, growing it into the fruit of righteousness, which is the resurrection of the seed of truth. And so the seed of truth in the resurrection of Christ is within our body, the stronghold of eternal life, changing our, changing our body from a carnal body into a heavenly body. And this will be testimony that uh, before we go uh, to heaven, or that we will go to heaven, which allows us to proclaim the non-existent heavenly body as, he as existent. So when the fullness of time comes, God as the reader would be, would be able to easily read upon our heart the uh, vision or what he sees. If in our heart we have the promises that contain the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, our eye will be able to 
peacefully look at our enemies that we in the death of the Lord Jesus have taken power from as the stronghold of death inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage Hebrews 2.14.15 Testimony that we receive in the fruit of righteousness will possess its own legitimate uh, legitimacy upon the condition that we will diligently offer praise and praise his holy name and thank him for delivering us from all trouble. As it is written, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me out of all trouble and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. Diligence in prayer is one of the ten uh, components of a prayer of a king priest and prophet and as much as we know the essence of the ten uh, components of legitimate prayer are in a surprising balance with one another and so the ten given components of legitimate prayer are one in the other reveal themselves in one the other identify themselves in one the other I'll remind us of what they are and we in short uh, will study their essence our prayer is a as armor of a warrior in prayer needs to be persistent with diligence, committed with boldness, with reverence, demonstrating the faith of our heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. Let us look at the second here on the list. The nature of prayer or the state of a warrior in prayer is diligence. If you have it, then you have the other nine also. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Second Chronicles 15.15 When with diligence, with all their soul, God seeks a, uh, a person seeks God, he receives then rest all around. In the situation, diligence is a great desire or a hunger and a thirst to find God and know God. And when God gives a response to such a hunger, to such diligence, and he gives peace, then this happens when we receive the Lord and Master of our life, the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37-39, when a, a prayer of a warrior in prayer loses diligence, uh, <clears throat> The Holy Spirit uh, will not be with this person or abandon this person, and this person then loses the virtue of a warrior in prayer when he prays uh, without diligence to God. The etymology of the word diligent in the armor of a warrior in prayer identifying the quality of his prayer includes these meanings. It's your favor in fulfilling God's will that we already know. It's a favorable response to the desires of God that we know, an attraction to fulfill the commandments of God, an openness to fulfill the commandments of God. We place ourselves 
our intelligent abilities independence of God's commandments, the desire and satisfaction for fulfilling the will of God. This is obedience or consent to fulfill the will of God. It's your concern and care about fulfilling God's will and a good reception of the will of God. Diligence in prayer is linked to a voluntary uh, choice, giving God the ability in prayer, God giving God the proper grounds to fulfill his will. Let us look at in what situations and what components uh, we see here that have diligence. First, diligence, diligence, diligence in prayer is according to God an offering that is brought by a prince diligently, which compares to the offering of the seventh day, where a person seeks the favor of God and the revela revelations of his ways. Now, when the prince makes a voluntary burnt offering or voluntary peace offering to the Lord, the gate that faces toward the east shall then be opened for him, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings as he did on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out, and after he goes out, the gate shall be shut. Ezekiel 46.12. And so we could see here what diligence is. When you have diligence, then you are a Sabbath for the Lord. You are God's peace. God finds rest in a person that diligently seeks him because your prince, your intelligent abilities that are renewed, they seek, as Mephes Faye was looking at David, he, with reverence, desiring to fulfill his will. He said, I don't consider myself worthy to sit at your table. He said, you have to sit at my table. You will sit at my royal, uh, at the royal table. It's important for us to understand how God perceives the prayer of a prince. Immediately it's a Sabbath and the gates are opened. The nation uh, that is also seeking the Lord, that from afar come also to seek the Lord, they can come only on the Sabbath when the doors are open. Otherwise, the temple is closed. They can't come in, at any, in any day to the temple. But the prince can come in any day. And when the prince seeks the Lord and diligently seeks him, because if he comes on the Sabbath day, this is normal, this is the law, but when it comes uh, diligently, when he seeks the Lord, <clears throat> not because of, of, it's a, of the law only, and the temple immediately becomes the Sabbath, and those who seek the Lord, and they see a prince comes to the house of prayer, they immediately go after him because it's the opportunity to find the Lord, to tell God something. The thing is that God literally was present in that temple. The temple, temporary temple, was not in accordance to the spiritual qualities of God, of course, but the presence of God in this temple was literal. And when a person would come, they would feel that. They felt that, that, that fear and they can communicate with God and the gates would open and God would hear and the prince would stand at the threshold and bring the offering. The entire body of a person is uh, feeling that at the time. When the body gets used to that and knows it and follows it, 
Then as soon as our prince goes, all of our body goes there too, all the members of our body, because this is an opportunity to receive healing, the opportunity to receive salvation for your body, adoption for your body, and they go there. And when he would bring his offering, uh, and would then leave, the gates would close again. Again, without our mind, the gates can't be opened into the temple where the Lord lives, into our Eden. This is our prince. And we need to uh, treasure our mind also. The kind of thoughts you have is how your heart, what your heart is like is who you are, is your thoughts. And so if a person is thinking of the things of the world and talks about the things of heaven, that doesn't work. He needs to meditate also about the things of heaven. Only when he meditates and speaks of the same thing, they'll be, they work as one command, uh, as one team, then... Our prince will be present there. Sometimes a person is in the church, but in the mind they're thinking maybe the church should be uh, ending sooner, I have another appointment to go to. Then, of course, his prince is absent. He himself is present, but the prince is absent, and the gate is closed. Only before the prince do the gates open, and so forth. One more place of scripture. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Exodus 33, 13, 17. Open the way. What, what is this way? Let, uh, he asks for show me now your way. This, these are... God's commandments and statutes, because only fulfilling them am I able to know you. Second, a diligent prayer according to Scripture in diligent obedience to the voice of the Lord in the form of his delegated ones where a person binds himself to the Holy Spirit or places himself in voluntary dependence of the Holy Spirit. Even those from afar shall come and build the temple of the Lord. We shall consider that we need to build ourselves into a holy house, a holy priesthood, and build the temple of the Lord. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. If you will do this, then people from afar will come, will come diligently and build. Who are these from afar that will come? These are God's promises. This is God's truth, God's seed of the kingdom of heaven. It will come by the word of God that is preached in order to build and form us into a house of God. If you will diligently seek the Lord, listen to his voice, obey, diligently obey uh, the voice of the Lord your God, Zechariah 6.15. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 27, O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and I have and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. But here we see the state of when you will be drawn to God and begin to build yourself into a house of God and God says that I will make it that you will become my house, then you will be induced by God, as it says here, persuaded. And every day you will be in derision daily and everyone will mock you. For a specific time, our church had experienced a lot of uh, persecution. There, uh, there were churches that actually had three-day fasts that continued day and night against us and prayed that God destroyed the service. They thought that 
we are in error and this error for them was so scary and dangerous that there was no way out as they had this three-day fast uh, day and night it continued I told you it was in Woodburn and they were praying at night one group left and prayed and the next group would come and arrive and praying about this they heard suddenly uh, some tapping sounds on the roof and they hear music and they became afraid uh, it was they came out and looked and it's as if a vision got shot a vision the devil was dancing uh, on their roof and they called the pastor uh, he was already probably sleeping and they called him uh, they asked him what do we do we have this on the on the roof and he said you need to stop praying uh, there's something wrong there as if at least he understood that he needs to stop these things he, this gentleman uh, that was their pastor was was uh, favored me or or liked me uh, he says he told me pastor I know that you are a person of God God uh, uh, called you and I'm a person who is cowardly although I am a pastor and so if the majority will be against you I have to be against you too but know that I do support you secretly and everything that you say my heart accepts it but when and so when all these churches called him out to pray against and fast he also did this in his church and also was fasting but he didn't go pray and when they told him why is it God showed it in his church because God wanted to still reach his heart that I told him Benjamin if you don't uh, take the rod as a pastor you will perish you can't be a pastor and you can't be a pastor and have the rod and not have a rod in your hand for as many as are led by the spirit of god those are the sons of god romans 8 14 and so a diligent prayer always is linked to the fact that we will be led by the Spirit of God. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, John 10, 27. They don't go after another, they follow me. Our time is up, we are going to pray, may the Lord bless us. Uh, for having this uh, fellowship with one another, and that's how we receive fellowship with God. Upon this place, the Lord gives us the ability to have fellowship with Him by having fellowship with one another. This is a very important detail, and we need to fight with our soul that has toward one another, not everyone, but maybe specific people, individuals, it has a dislike. We need to fight with this. We know there are people that are not uh, maybe saved and maybe in the service, but we need to rise above that and overcome and persevere while they're still in the service. Amen. Let us bend our heads in prayer and may the Lord bless us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again, with great joy, with fear in my heart and trembling, with reverence to your word and to your place, and your saints who are your body they are the essence of your body I thank you for this surprising partaking to your body 
your saints that listen to your word, that love it, and pay the proper price that you require. They gladly come into your house to meet with you, with each other, to hear the words that you send to your servants, whom you have made carriers of your revelations. May your mercy be with your servants, your bond servants, your maid servants. May they be protected from those terrible enemies that pursue them. Allow them to rely upon your truth that will make them free from sin. And when we will be free from sin, then no enemy will be able to threaten us. We will calmly look at the enemy. When according to your mercy, the old person will be bound within our body, our eye will calmly look at our enemy inside of itself, outside of ourselves, especially then also those around us all uh, that are out of us. May this revelation be clearly written in your people that as soon as they'll be able to bind their old person with his deeds inside of themselves there will not be an enemy existing that would be able to threaten them their eye will calmly look at their enemies because you have delivered us and we today can begin to thank you for this deliverance not looking at the fact that some of us are not yet delivered, but you want them to see themselves as they are. If they've received the truth about deliverance, then you desire that they begin to confess this truth so that it begin to work in them. Only those words that we confess as the faith of our heart is able to be taken by you as an instrument as our clothing and deliver us. We thank you that your goodness is the fruit of our mouth. When we confess your faith that you have placed into our heart, we thank you that you have cleansed our heart by the way of dying, us dying for our nation, the house of our father, and the destru destructive desires of our soul. And our conscience became clean. And we can now put into it the seed of your truth, <clears throat> the seed of your promise. And we thank you that this promise is growing. It is becoming stronger, and hell is in shame and afraid. The heavens rejoice because your children have received into their heart the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the result of his death within us. Thank you for the stronghold of life within our body. Thank you that you will show this to the world and also to those that attempted to destroy us any way possible and not, none of their accusations, nothing they did was able to prevail because your church can't be destroyed because you overcame hell already and you together with yourself has 
have placed us at the right hand on your throne. Thank you that from the position of this throne, we can stand upon all of the works of the enemy and wait for the deliverance and salvation that is from you. May your mercy be a blessing for us and our children. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As it is in heaven. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. The glory forever. Amen.